How's it going everyone? This is Eric from Geeks Crossing and I'm super excited for today's episode. Wanna know why? Because I'm once again talking about the living embodiment of Disney commercialism, that being Kingdom Hearts. And 2022 is a very special year for us fans. Why? Because if you're a diehard fan of the series like myself, you know that this year marks the 20th anniversary of Kingdom Hearts. Holy shit. It doesn't feel like 20 years, but here we are. As you know, I've done many Kingdom Hearts related episodes on this podcast. From world rankings to remove content and discussing world ideas for KH4 with Matt. Shout out to Matt. Love you buddy. And thank you for joining me on this brutal journey which was going through all the games. At least for now. <laughs> Speaking of which, how do I plan on celebrating Kingdom Hearts' 20th anniversary? Well, if my comment didn't give it away, I'll be going over each Kingdom Hearts game and rank them from my least favorite to favorite. This format will be very similar to how I rank the Pokemon games for the franchise's 25th anniversary, where I'll be reviewing each game in one sentence, but instead of having a favorite list or a least favorite list, it'll just be one list altogether. Simply because there's currently 11 games to win feel right to divide them, these games will be judged based on their stories, gameplay, and how they reflect the series in general. Once more, and I can't stress this enough, everything I say is just my opinion. So don't be too critical if your favorite Kingdom Hearts game isn't ranked where you would rank it. It's been 20 years of all this Disney and Final Fantasy fanservice, but which game is the best of them all? Let's find out. Kingdom Hearts. Back when everything was so, dare I say, simple and clean. Chain of Memories. Decent story, but the car battle system could go fuck itself. Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, you guys already know this game's gonna be ranked pretty high. 358 Days over 2. If you guys thought the title was stupid, wait until you play it. Birth by Sleep. Did you guys know that this game is considered Kingdom Hearts 0 because it's a prequel? Coded. Easily the most inconsequential game in the series. Dream Drop Distance. Fun gameplay, but this is when the story gets out of hand. Union Cross. It took nearly 6 years to finish this fucking game! 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. Stupid fucking title, but it's a good demo for Kingdom Hearts 3. Speaking of which, Kingdom Hearts 3. This has to be the most decisive game in the entire series. Melody of Memory. I don't like rhythm games, but this one's an exception. Alright, that's all the games reviewed in one sentence. Now it's time to rank them. At the very bottom, sadly, we have Union Cross. If you guys couldn't already tell, I'm not a big fan of Union Cross. Don't get me wrong, it's an interesting game conceptually. A game that recaps events during the original Keyblade War. Here, we learn about the ancient Keyblade wielders called the Foretellers and how their conflicts led to the first ever Keyblade War. Again, that's interesting. But the game itself is a problem. As we know, Union Cross, Unchained Key, or whatever you want to call it, is a mobile game. And what do mobile games require? Updates. Having to wait every few months or so just for the next update can easily make you lose track of what's going on in the story. But it only gets worse once you reach the gameplay. Again, Union Cross is a mobile game. And how do you play mobile games? By swiping your fingers, of course. To me, that's not how you play Kingdom Hearts. Everything from attacking, opening chests, or even simply moving around is done by swiping your finger, which isn't that exciting. And nearly every enemy in this game can kill you in one attack. Which means, you have to waste actual, real-life money to buy these orbs that can revive you. Fuck that! I gave up playing this game after a few months. It just wasn't worth it. But following the story was also painful because of those damn updates. Take it from me, if you want to know more about the story, which is easily the most important factor, 
Just watch the cutscenes and lore videos. It'll definitely save you money and your sanity. For all those reasons, Union Cross currently stands as my least favorite game in the series. At second to last place, we have 358 Days Over 2. Many fans consider this game to be one of the worst games in the series, and I don't blame them because this game is horrible. But let's talk about the only positive this game has, which is the story. Here, we get to see Roxas live out his days as being part of Organization 13, as he slowly learns the truth about his existence and the mystery behind the 14th member, Xion. Actually, this game makes Roxas more sympathetic than he already was in Kingdom Hearts 2. However, the biggest flaw in this game is the gameplay. When I said seeing Roxas live out his days, I meant that shit. Because each day has Roxas go to a certain world, complete a mission, and watch him, Axel, and Xion eat ice cream at Twilight Town afterwards. I'm not joking. That's literally the entire game. And it easily became exhausting. It doesn't matter which world you visit because every mission is the same. And on top of that, it feels unbearable to play. Every attack you unleash feels sloppy and unresponsive. The damage you take from enemies is larger than you need to be. And the magic is in the form of ammo. Why do you need ammo for magic? That was never a thing in Kingdom Hearts except in this game. And don't even get me started on the bosses. I still have PTSD from fighting Ruler of the Sky. I'll admit, it was cool how we got to play as other organization members in multiplayer. You can even play as Donald and Goofy, which is fucking hilarious. Yet, it doesn't matter who you play as because the problems remain the same. Especially Donald, who can't for the life of him attack without magic. God damn it, Donald. And like I said, the story's fine. But because of how boring and repetitive this game gets, you just want it to be over with already. Even during the most important scenes. And let's be real, we knew something was going to happen to Xion towards the end of the game, seeing as how she wasn't seen or referenced at all in Kingdom Hearts 2. In the end, it's slightly better than Union Cross in terms of gameplay, but it's one of the few games in the series I'd rather not play again. Honestly, if you really want to experience this game, you're better off watching the remastered cutscenes from the HD collections. That's how everyone's doing it these days. Seriously, avoid the actual game at all costs. Finishing up the Bomb 3, we have Coded, or Recoded, or whatever you want to call it. Either way, it's easily one of the most hated games among the fanbase. Unlike 358 Days, which was a DS game to begin with, Coded was initially a Japan-exclusive mobile game before being ported slash remastered for the DS as Recoded. But how could a mobile game turn DS game become so hated? Well, it's mostly from a story perspective. Jiminy's journal gets corrupted by bugs upon getting digitized, so Mickey creates a digital version of Sora to fix it. I wish I was making this shit up. I was like, is this really necessary? Did we really need a game explaining why Mickey wrote Sora a letter at the epilogue for Kingdom Hearts 2? Seriously, the only part that matters is the ending, which in all honesty could be explained in a cutscene for Kingdom Hearts 2 or even Birth by Sleep. But no! Square thought it'd be better to make an entire game! Bottom line, the story sucks, but the gameplay is something else. As you might have guessed, this game borrows elements from 358 Days, except it's much better. However, the game constantly switches gameplay styles, one minute you're playing a normal hack and slash like we're used to, then you find yourself playing a platformer, a puzzle game, a running gun, a turn-based RPG. Bro, make up your fucking minds. Yes, the gameplay is better compared to 358 Days, but those constant changes is what prevents me from replaying this game more than once. And just like Days, you're better off watching the remastered cutscenes. Even though I said the story feels completely pointless, at least there's cool action scenes making it look like you're watching an actual movie, assuming you have at least 3 hours to kill. Our next entry is Melody of Memory. What can I say about this game, other than appearing right the hell out of nowhere? It's funny, when they first revealed this game, I thought it was merely a side game. But no, stupid me, there are no side games in Kingdom Hearts. Every game in the series is canon, 
except for Vcast, which in no way, shape, or form is canon, but that's going way off topic. Anyway, I'm not a big fan of rhythm games, so I wasn't too excited for the gameplay. However, Kyrie was shown to be the main focus, so if anything, I was mostly interested with the story, which is easily the worst part of the game, because calling it a story is being very generous. Literally, 90% of the quote unquote story is just Kyrie recapping events from every game in the series, except for Union Cross, to the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. Mind you that this game is supposed to be part of the new saga, but when we do get to new stuff, it's extremely underwhelming and vague. They had a great opportunity to set up a new story to push the series forward, but no, Square thought it'd be better to shove the entire Kingdom Hearts wiggy up our asses. At this point, I am fucking sick of recaps and anything that has to do with Xehanort. And poor Kyrie, man. For her first solo game, it was very lackluster. However, the gameplay is where the game mostly shines. Like I said, don't give two shits about rhythm games. But matching the beats to my favorite songs from the series was actually pretty fun, and it made me develop a new level of respect towards rhythm games. Not to mention the different teams you can play as and bizarre visuals. In other words, you can play as Sora, Donald Goofy, and Enchanted Dominion, Roxas, Shion, and Axel at Monstro. You can even see Terrafin and Aqua at Prylance, which is fucking insane. And on top of that, they added some familiar Disney songs to the mix. Granted, they only added Beauty and the Beast, A Whole New World, and Circle of Life. Let it go can piss off. Still, the amount of effort they put into the gameplay is insane. Yet after a while, it does get very exhausting. And yet, the multiplayer matches kinda suck. There, I said it. Overall, if you love Kingdom Hearts and rhythm games, then Melody of Memory is for you. But if you're only interested in the story, you're better off watching the cutscenes. And to be more accurate, the last 20 minutes of the game, because it's the only part that matters. Up next, we have Chain of Memories. I've made it very apparent on this podcast that I don't like this game. Now it's time to elaborate why. Probably the least offensive aspect that this game has is the story, as it does a good job picking up from where the first game left off. Sora, Donald, and Goofy lose their memories and must trek through this mysterious castle to regain them, and save this girl who's held captive by a mysterious organization. It's not that bad of a story, and I did enjoy the chemistry between Sora and Namine. Though she planted fake memories of her inside of Sora, he still deeply cared for her. However, that's also a flaw. When things start to get out of hand, he lashed at his friends who were trying to help him think logically. It almost made Sora unlikable for a little while. Thank god Sora does the right thing and forget those false memories so he can go back to normal. But still, it's hard to forget those out-of-character moments. There was even a side story called Reverse Rebirth, where you get to see Riku track through the castle as he tries to control the darkness within him. That was honestly more entertaining than the actual main story, which is kind of sad. However, most of the problems I have center around the gameplay. Keep in mind, this game originally started off on the Game Boy Advance, which sounds cool, but the execution felt off. This is mostly thanks to the card battle system. Cards are pretty much your only means of doing anything in this game, from attacking, summoning allies, creating rooms in every quote-unquote world you visit. This easily got old and repetitive fast, not to mention time-consuming because you'll need time on deciding what cards you want for your deck, and the fact that this was a Game Boy game made it even more unbearable. Admittedly, some combos, or slates, are fun to utilize once you have the right cards equipped, so I guess the card battle system isn't that bad compared to what I'm laying on. Sometime after Kingdom Hearts 2, the game was remade for the PS2 known as Rechain of Memories, and it's what you expect. A remastered version with full-fledged cutscenes and much better gameplay. Now some fans actually like Chain of Memories and the car battle system. That's fine, more power to you. For me though, it's not my preferred way of playing Kingdom Hearts. The only reason I can see myself replaying this game is just so I can challenge myself. So once again, I recommend watching the cutscenes. Just not the world cutscenes. They're fucking pointless. Just finding it slightly below the top 5 is 0.2 Burp by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. I hate this fucking title. You know, I'm just gonna call it Burp by Sleep 2 because that's basically what this game is. 
taking place after Birth by Sleep, and literally during Kingdom Hearts 1, we follow Aqua as she travels through the Realm of Darkness. That's simple enough, but it almost seems pointless in a way, because at this point in the series, we knew Aqua was going to be trapped in the Realm of Darkness and wouldn't get saved until the inevitable Kingdom Hearts 3. That's not the biggest problem I have. No, it's how Aqua is treated. Mickey and Yensei learned about Aqua's dilemma and didn't make any efforts to go and save her. Seriously, they could have returned at any point before Kingdom Hearts 3 to save her. But of course, they didn't, because they have to save all that shit for Kingdom Hearts 3. I know, that was to be expected, but you didn't have to rub it in our faces. At least the ending has solid buildup. Speaking of which, the gameplay is definitely a saving grace. Unlike the other games, this one more or less acts like a demo for what we could expect in Kingdom Hearts 3. The same Kingdom Hearts format we know and love mixed with a few elements from Birth by Sleep, namely the shot locks and style commands. Granted, we were only limited to just one of each, but for as small as this game is, it's understandable. Same thing goes for the situation commands, a mechanic that's greatly expanded in Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh yeah, can't forget about player customization. I guess we gotta please Union Cross fans too. <laughs> the only other complaints I have is that I wish this game was a bit longer, and Phantom Aqua is one of the worst bosses in the series. You know I'm right about that. Other than that, Birth by Sleep 2 is still playable and does a great job hyping up players for the game we've long waited for. We're now in the top 5, and what better game to talk about than the one that started it all? Of course, I'm talking about the OG Kingdom Hearts. My god, this has nostalgia written all over it. You play as a boy named Sora, who travels to different worlds in order to find his friends, Riku and Kairi, and stop the evasion of the Heartless, teaming up with Donald, Goofy, and many different Disney and Final Fantasy characters along the way. A concept like that shouldn't work, but it did, and that's what I love about it. Not to mention this game having the most simplest story out of all the games. I mean, it's the first game in the series, so it's no wonder. As well as having the most simplest gameplay. You roam around each world based off a Disney film in a hack and slash format, and travel in each world in your gummy ship in a space shooter style. However, like I said before when I ranked the worlds, Kingdom Hearts has definitely aged. Especially when you look at the gameplay, because most of these worlds have awful layouts. And don't get me started on the occasional platforming and the fact that you couldn't skip cutscenes back then. Thankfully, that isn't a problem thanks to the HD Remix, or Final Mix to be more accurate, which added new content, including new Keyblades, abilities, a secret boss, and additional cutscenes to make the story more fleshed out. So yeah, nowadays when people think about Kingdom Hearts, they're probably referring to the Final Mix version. Even though other games in the series completely overshadow it, Kingdom Hearts is still worth playing in my opinion, and this game will always have a special place in my heart. Pun intended. Okay, this is probably going to be my most controversial spot, but at 4th place we have Dream Drop Distance. What can I say about this game? Other than adding so much complexity, both in terms of story and gameplay, Master Xehanort is on the verge of being revived, which means Sora and Riku need to become Keyblade Masters in order to be prepared. But to become said Masters, they have to travel to a realm of sleep and revive worlds that haven't been fully restored. It doesn't sound that bad of a story, but it does undermine Sora and Riku's accomplishments, you're telling me after all that shit we've been through in both Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, these two aren't masters? It's really hard to comprehend, but not nearly as bad as how they handle time travel. Yes, this game introduced time travel into the Kingdom Hearts lore, making the entire story more convoluted than it needed to be. At the very least, the story did a good job at setting up events for Kingdom Hearts 3, but still. The gameplay also feels very mixed for some people. I mean, it's awesome you get to switch between playing as Sora and Riku, yet the whole drop feature to make that possible could have been handled better especially during boss fights. And yeah, some people aren't too keen with the whole idea of creating slash raising your own Dream Eaters. Despite that, I love what this game has to offer. Playing as both Sora and Riku in a more traditional Kingdom Hearts game felt great, as well as creating my own spirits and utilizing their different abilities. Shout out to Matt during our playthrough of this game. 
We named our Meowwow Spirit Marshmallow, and he was the MVP. I guess maybe Fang the Kamari back counts too, but Marshmallow was so precious. The dive sections were fun as well, because we get to see Sora and Riku literally dive into whatever worlds they visit. The command deck feature is at its best in this game for combat. And the icing on the cake? Flow motion. Oh my god, do I love this feature. With flow motion, you can wall jump, rail grind, air dash, and even use it for combat. Yes, flow motion is broken as fuck, but I don't care. I love it and this game despite its controversy. And as a game that's meant to celebrate 10 years of Kingdom Hearts, it's still worth playing in my eyes. At third place, we have a beloved title, Birth by Sleep. What makes this game so iconic is the fact that it's a prequel game rather than a sequel. In hindsight, it was a little bizarre seeing as how every new game at this point act as a sequel, or whatever the fuck Days tried to be. But a prequel game could work, and what do you know, it did, and it became one of the best games in the series. Taking place 10 years before the events of the first game, three Keyboy wielders named Terra, Fences, and Aqua travel to different worlds to stop the uprising of a new threat called the Unverse, and to figure out the disappearance of Master Xehanort. Because this game focuses on three different characters, they each have their own separate stories that of course connect to each other. Terra's story is easily my least favorite because of how gullible he is. Ventus, or Ven as he likes to be called, was all about him trying to make friends since he's kind of a lonely boy. Makes sense. And Aqua always find yourself missing out on whatever situations your friends get into. But looking at the story from a general standpoint, some parts do feel forced or repetitive, and the game doesn't even fucking try to hide that Xehanort is the main villain. Yeah, we already knew that, but you didn't have to make it so obvious. However, the story did a great job setting up the first game, and foreshadowing events for future games, like how Xehanort became an apprentice to Ansem the Wise, how Sora, Riku, and Kairi were given the power to wield Keyblades, or even why Roxas looks like Ben, and so much more. But the gameplay is what I mostly love. Since you're technically playing as three different characters, Square did a great job making them feel diverse, with Terra relying more on brute strength, Aqua being a magic prodigy, and Ben having the right balance between strength and magic. He was definitely my favorite, but it all depends on how you set up your command deck, which I think was the first game to introduce it, though I could be wrong. Either way, they all have their different perks, but regardless on who you play as, they have access to other features, such as D-Links, Shotlocks, and Command Styles, making the gameplay more exhilarating. And Birth by Sleep is the first non-numbered game in the series to have a final mix port, which not only includes new Keyblades and bosses, but a new secret episode that kicks off the events of Birth by Sleep 2. It honestly felt like I was playing a real Kingdom Hearts game despite it being released on the PSP. Of course, that's no longer relevant thanks to the HD collections, though even if you haven't played this game prior to the collections, you can definitely tell it was a handheld game first. Nonetheless, Bird by Sleep is still a great game and worth playing. Okay, if you guys thought putting Dream Drop Distance at number 4 sounds controversial, wait until you hear this shit. The runner-up for my favorite Kingdom Hearts game is none other than Kingdom Hearts 3. My god, how do I even begin when talking about this game? Because as we know, fans had to wait years and years for this game to come out, and by the time it finally happened, it felt so surreal. At the same time, there's a lot of mixed feelings towards this title. Some fans loved it, hated, or found it decent, mostly from the story and I guess the gameplay to an extent. A new Keyblade War is on the horizon, and Sora and his friends must find the remaining Guardians of Light in order to face off against Master Xehanort and his Seekers of Darkness. Apparently, this is what the whole series was building up to, which sounds epic, but why are fans against it? Well, it does pick up from all the confusing parts that Dream Drop Distance left, so it was more of a matter of trying to make sense of whatever story they were trying to sell. That along with how certain characters were treated. <coughs> Kyrie, <coughs> oh yeah, can't forget about the plot holes that you know are waiting to be explained in future games. But does that really surprise anyone? Despite everything, I really enjoyed the story. It finally gave us all the reunions we wanted, many plot twists that helped drive the series forward, and the best thing to come out of this story is the self-awareness. 
We know the entire story of Kingdom Hearts is now a convoluted mess, but to hear the characters acknowledge it is both relatable and fucking hilarious. As for the gameplay, my god is it addicting. Not only does it bring back the same hack and slash format we know and love, but other mechanics from past titles made their way into this game too. Most notably, shot locks, flow motion, and situation commands. Even the new mechanics were fun to utilize. Keyblade transformations, attraction flow, and the fact that you can level up Keyblades is something I can definitely appreciate. Meaning you're not obligated to switch for a stronger Keyblade, but instead, amplify whichever one you prefer using. It will definitely make my eventual Kingdom Hearts 3 Keyblades ranking more difficult, I can personally tell you that. <laughs> the gummy ship sections are at its best so far, by making an open world environment mixed with high speed combat. Or I should really say open space, because you're technically traveling through space. Speaking of open world, my god, the worlds in this game are massive and less compact than ever before. Further proof that Kingdom Hearts has come a long way when it comes to layouts. In a way, all these features do make the game itself feel easy, even on the highest difficulty. And yeah, the post-game was very lackluster. Thankfully, Remind gave this game much-needed content it so desperately needed, such as new abilities, bosses, and cutscenes that helped fix most of the potholes from the base game. We were even given the chance to play as Roxas and Kyrie, which was fucking awesome. I know it's a hot take for me to say that Kingdom Hearts 3 was worth the wait, but I don't care. I love this game, and it's one of the best games this series has to offer. I'm sure we all saw this coming. My favorite Kingdom Hearts game, hands down, is Kingdom Hearts 2. Come on, how could I not put Kingdom Hearts 2 as number 1? I've expressed my love towards this game many times on the podcast, and can you blame me? Everything about this game is fantastic. Picking up right after Chain of Memories, Sora, Donald, and Goofy once again travel to different worlds to find their friends and stop the Heartless, as well as the mysterious creatures called the Nobodies and their superiors, Organization 13. Now this is how you do a sequel to an original game. Having a simple story but add new twists and turns to make it better. I love almost everything about the story. From the two hour prologue where he plays Roxas, the many plot twists that help drive the series forward, the fact that we can visit most of the Disney worlds twice, and of course, the character development, especially from Riku and Axel. Even if you skip Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 2 does a great job of explaining past events so you wouldn't feel lost, unlike future games where they keep bombarding us with information that way so we can understand what the fuck is going on. But the story is only a fraction of what makes this game so enjoyable. Oh no, most of the credit has to go towards the gameplay. Imagine everything from the original Kingdom Hearts, but amplified, having a more smoother hack and slash format, areas that are much more expansive and better constructed, and all sorts of new features, such as your Keyblades having abilities, drive forms where you get to see Sora wheel two Keyblades at once, and my personal favorite, Limits, which are pretty much combo moves you can initiate with your party members. In the first game, your party members were just kinda there, this time they're much more versatile, which is another thing that was greatly handled in Kingdom Hearts 3, but I have to give credit where credit is due. And my god, do I even have to talk about the gummy ship? With its high speed action and intuitive gameplay, it's amazing how much they were able to improve in less than 4 years. And just when you think this game couldn't get any better, Kingdom Hearts 2 indeed has a final mix version, which added a lot more content than we thought we needed. We're not just talking about new cutscenes or keyblades, we're talking about new gummy ships, enemies, over 10 secret bosses, and a huge area that almost feels like a world of its own. Honestly, the original Kingdom Hearts felt like a beta compared to this one, and I love it. In fact, I love everything about this game. Actually, that's bullshit because there is one thing I can't stand. And it's the fact that you need to use either magic or combos to defeat a boss, even when that set boss has 1% of HP left, when in every other game, a basic whack from your Keyblade can get the job done. Thankfully, that hasn't stopped me from loving this game endlessly. Kingdom Hearts 1 may have started everything, and Kingdom Hearts 3 might have captivated me with its visuals and gameplay, but they don't have the same charm as Kingdom Hearts 2. This is the one Kingdom Hearts game I can always go back to and not get tired of. It's the game that made me a diehard fan to begin with. 
If you haven't played Kingdom Hearts 2, then I'm sorry, you definitely missed out. Easily the best game in the series, and one of my favorite video games of all time. And that's every Kingdom Hearts game ranked from least favorite to favorite, at least in my opinion. I've been waiting to do this episode for a long time, because you all should know by now how much I love this series, despite the many problems it has. And again, Kingdom Hearts turns 20 this year, so now as good a time as any to do this episode. But the celebration doesn't stop here, because I'm still working on more Kingdom Hearts episodes, such as my mini-series when it comes to ranking Keyblades, and as of the making of this episode, we still don't know anything about the 20th anniversary event, but I know for a fucking fact Nomura and Square Enix are going to reveal something big, and you can definitely expect an episode on that as well. But until then, happy 20th anniversary Kingdom Hearts, and thank you all for listening. How would you rank the Kingdom Hearts games? Tell us on our Discord server, and while you're at it, follow us on Instagram, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all major platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you're using right now. Tell your friends and family about us, especially any Kingdom Hearts fans you know. And check out Nuclear Bacon's CryptoLock Games and Carabite on Twitch for more geeky content. Thank you again, and may your heart be your guiding key.